The following is a hoop ball presentation. My name is Lawrence Brooks, and you listen to the Hoopball Mavericks podcast. Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for betting tips. I always get asked, who you got, Lakers or Clippers, Brady or Mahomes? And I'll tell you what I tell them. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid, and they've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle my NBA-related bets, the one sports book guaranteed to give me the best lines, for Saturday night games, March Madness, and everything in between. You know me, I don't give my stamp of approval easily. So to earn it, you got to be the best at what you do, and my bookie is the best sports book out there. Period. It's simple. Sign up in a promo code HOOPBALL and get your deposit half matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best, bet with my bookie. Again, my name is Lawrence Brooks. Welcome back to the Hoopball Mavericks podcast. I know it's been a second. It's been a long week. I've had a lot to do and I've had a lot to say. And so I'm going to get right to it. Talking about this Portland game. And let me start by saying, you know, one of the things I try not to get caught up in is the fact that there, there's not something to be said for every loss, meaning that it should just automatically be a win or treating every game as if it as if it's a win unless we do this this and this or we wouldn't have lost unless we do this this and this sometimes you're just outplayed and you just can't there's no other way around that so sometimes you just have to take the fact that another team was just was just better than you on a particular night now the one thing about Dallas that can be frustrating is they've shown the ability to beat top tier teams they've shown the ability to lose to bottom tier teams but what they have done a lot better as of late is consistently winning games they should win while picking up a game or so here that maybe they should not have won so tonight playing against a portland team that is very formidable one of the better teams in the west already in the playoff hunt at fifth place and you're chasing them, and like I've always mentioned, these are must-wins. But sometimes, even though it's a must-win, you just don't get a win. And it was disappointing because they had an opportunity to win this game, but ultimately they were just outplayed. So let me talk about Porzingis for a minute because Luka had a really good game. Porzingis had 11 points. He was 3 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, with 8 rebounds and 2 blocks. But he didn't get his first field goal until the third quarter, which is completely unacceptable for a guy who's supposed to be your second star on your team and a guy who's making as much money as he's making. That's really unacceptable. But let me say this. Sometimes you just have bad games and sometimes things just don't go your way. And for whatever reason, it's it's just not your night. And watching this game it just seemed like Porzingis was just kind of out of it. He was a little, he was a step slow defensively, offensively. He just didn't look as engaged. And one of the things that you make yourself vulnerable to as a person that finishes plays more than you do creating them 
is you have nights like this where if things aren't created for you properly, it's hard to get in a flow. You kind of get lost in the shuffle and it just doesn't necessarily you don't create that rhythm or groove that you can constantly find if you have the ball in your hands making plays. And that's why you can sometimes watch Porzingis and wonder why he's not doing as much. He's not an he's not an excellent ball handler. You know, he's not a type of guy that's going to break you down off the dribble or use a pick and roll. He's literally a guy that gets set up for and is going to finish plays. So if you're going to finish plays, then a game like last night shows that when you're kind of taken out of the game a little bit, not that they were doing anything special, but when you're not being a focal point or featured as much as maybe you would like, then these are the type of things that can happen. And so I'm not one of the type that thinks Porzingis should be traded. I actually think that if you get rid of him, it's it's addition by subtraction. Yes, you lose Porzingis and you gain something, but you lose kind of the unique ability that he has to stretch the floor, to score for you near the basket, to be somewhat of a rim protector, not to say that he's an elite guy, but he's still someone that can bother you at the rim when he's engaged defensively. But what I don't like that I see from him sometimes is that he can drift. He can drift and fall into this lull of not scoring or not being involved and just kind of being out there. Now on the season, he's averaging 20 points. He's averaging eight rebounds close to nine rebounds, and he's and he's 36% from three, taking six threes per game. So those are pretty good numbers for, for a guy of his size, although I would love to see that get bumped up to about 24, 25 points per game. But again, coming off of an injury, a guy who's who struggled to consistently put together um, games where he's on the floor a lot. He's still developing. He's only 25 years old. So there's going to be nights like this. There's just going to be nights where he's just not at his best, especially when you consider the fact that he's had some durability issues. So I'm sure he has good and bad nights with his body in terms of how he's feeling. So I want to give him a little bit of leniency there just because I know that it can happen. It's not like he's not performing. He's actually been playing really well of late, but then you get a stinker like last night. And everyone wants to question whether he should be there or, you know, there's a large crowd of people who think he should be traded anyway. But I'm not I don't subscribe to that. I think that he's a good piece for this team. I think if anything, they should add more playmaking around him and Luca, which will make the entire team much more dangerous, which brings me to my next point. They pretty much got out duo playing against CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. And with Damian Lillard, we know he's an elite playmaker. C.J. McCollum, when healthy, is an elite playmaker. And there's just not much you can do defensively to stop these guys. They're going to run a ton of pick-and-roll sets for these guys. They're going to get them involved in all different areas of the floor. They're going to get their looks. They're going to get their attempts. At that point, it just is dependent on them how many of them go in. You just want to make it as tough on them as possible. But that's not always going to be the case in terms like they're going to have nights where you can do everything right and they're still going to score, which was the case with Josh Richardson. He was hounding Damian Lillard all night. I mean, all night. I mean, fighting over screens, blowing up screens, muddying up the um, the in-between game, not allowing him to get ahead of steam downhill. 
But Damian Lillard is just elite, so there's not much you can do with that. You just have to live with the fact that sometimes, or a lot of times, he's going to be better than the person defending him on most nights just because he's going to get the volume. He's he's already an elite shot maker, shot creator, and he's and everything is literally the entire offense revolves around him. So when you have those things working on in your favor, a lot of times you're going to produce. And, and this night was no different for him. CJ McCollum, who's coming back off of an injury, same deal. I mean, they don't they all the Mavericks already don't have a ton of defenders. But they don't have many that are going to stop those two guys. Not many teams do have many that are going to stop those two guys. And no one's going to mistake Dallas's defensive players for being in elite stoppers in that sense. They're good defenders. They're try-hard guys. They're guys that can get out and, you know, make things happen on the defensive end. But ultimately, it's C.J. McCollum and it's Damian Lillard. And so this game, for the first three quarters, it was back and forth. It was a good game. It was a shootout. Both teams were scoring. I, I mean, almost at will, and everything's clicking for Dallas. I mean, for the game, they ended up 19 of 42 from the three-point line and shot 45%, which isn't normal for them because they are one of the are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, although they've been better of late. But that just goes to show you they did that and were still 2 of 10 in the fourth quarter. Still 2 of 10 from the three-point line. I mean, they were... 16 of 31, I believe, throughout the game, the first three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, they were two for 10 from the three-point line. Could not make a shot. And that's pretty much where the game ended. I mean, Dallas Dallas couldn't make shots, and Portland did. And then, and we all know this is a make-or-miss league. And when you're missing shots in crucial times of the game, which is the fourth quarter, these are the kind of things that will happen. And so, again, they got out-rebounded, which we know has been the story of the season. They just aren't a great rebounding team. And it feels like I even tweeted this out. I talked about Enos Cantor, and I talked about how he seems to have 20 points and 20 rebounds every time he plays against Dallas. Now, I know he's not great on the defensive end, and they have to take him out in certain times. But it's also a situation where... He's he's so valuable offensively, and he brings that to this team, and it shows up every time they play Dallas. I mean, they killed him on the offensive glass, and Dallas just doesn't have a live wire type of guy who eats up the boards and keeps possessions alive and finishes off defensive uh, plays for them with a defensive rebound. I don't know where they're going to find that guy. Again, they don't. They have so many complementary pieces that that's not a lot of trade leverage to really get an upgrade in a different area. So you would have to rely on buyouts. But this team is who are who they're going to be for the duration of the season. And and again, a lot of these times they end up they they start with a lead and then a team comes back because they can't sustain the level of shooting that they may have. And then on the reverse side. They might be trying to make a comeback, and then they can't they can't hit enough outside shots to get fully back in the game and take take the lead for good. So again, shooting continues to haunt this team in several different ways, and this night was no different as they went two of ten from the three point line. But Josh Richardson, he didn't really have a great game from um, on offense because he's playing so hard defensively. And it's, it's not easy to be a two-way guy. It's asking a lot of 
the the people in the league that are two way players that are productive two way players are getting paid a lot of money and not the type of money that Josh Richardson is making. And he's a really good player, a guy who can do it on both ends. But you can't rely on him to to score in double digits every game and lock up the primary um, ball handler and shot maker for the opposing team. It's, that's just a tough task to ask. And so a lot of times you end up with Luca, who in this game was great. He was 15 of 17 from the field. He was only a 4 of 13 from three, but he ended up with 38 points, nine assists, nine rebounds. I mean, he did it all. He had and he threw in a steal. He was four or five from the free throw line. Had a really good game. As he as he normally does, but this team needs another playmaker to make things happen. So when teams are either blitzing the pick and roll, doubling him, trying to force the ball out of his hands, they have someone else who can make a play. They have so many guys who can finish a play either as a spot-up shooter or cutting to the basket, and they just don't have enough guys that can break people down off the dribble and get downhill. Jalen Brunson can do some of that in kind of a teaspoon sample size, but he's not somebody that every night that you're relying on to be that type of player. And so you even got the good you even got the good Tim Hardaway tonight. He had seven of 11 threes, which kind of kept them in this game. Um, this game could have really got out of hand, but being that he was hot, they were right there in the thick of things. He ended up with 25 points, five assists, and five rebounds. But his shooting, and his shooting comes and goes. He's one of the streakier players in the league, but when he's hot, he can get as hot as anybody. But when he's cold, he can be as cold as anybody as well. And so, um, so especially when you get games like this from him, you want to get a win. Even Maxi Kleber had 16. He was 4 of 7 from 3, but he missed a couple of crucial threes in the, in the fourth quarter that just went in and out. That if they go, you never know how this game turns out. But those are backbreakers and those are momentum killers when you're missing these type of shots um, throughout the game. Um, they didn't have Dorian Finney-Smith tonight, which is someone that you would have loved to have out there, especially for his defensive presence. But he also gives you some offensive presence for, as, a, as a corner three-point shooter um, out for personal reasons. But... Again, they had enough to get the win. It wasn't as if this this was a game that just they had no shot at winning. You even had Trey Burke who played a little better. He only played 11 minutes, but he had 10 points, and he kind of had a sighting. And he's went extremely cold over the last couple of weeks. A guy who was kind of a spark plug off the bench and was a really valuable piece, but just hasn't, but just hasn't been at his best lately. So hopefully they can pull it together and start to get back on the winning side. But again, these games like this are games that show that they need another ball handler. They can't continue to try to win games the way they are without getting another ball handler because you play against teams like they need more rebounding and they need more playmaking. I don't know where they get that from because, like I said, with so many complementary pieces, your main trade value is Porzingis. And so if you get rid of him... And you get a couple of guys, then what? You're still looking at a star because who's? I don't think any other team is trading their star for Porzingis. So you get a, a couple of high-end role player type of guys. I just think it's really dicey. I think that Porzingis is a 25-year-old star that is still developing in some ways but can be really valuable, especially for what Rick Carlisle wants to do in terms of keeping the floor space and having a big that can actually knock down threes and protect the rim to some extent. But they play Portland again tomorrow, and this would be this would be another test for them. They need to get a win because 
they don't have a lot of room for error in, in dropping games. So hopefully they can get one and put get back on the winning side because they'll need to keep pace with the rest of the West in, in terms of trying to get into the play-in game, if not maintaining their, their spot, um, which they were, they were in eighth place. So if you're trying to stay in eighth place, they're going to have to win games. And, and tonight, or I should say last night, is a game that just kind of got away from them in the fourth quarter. And and the shooting is something that's been haunting, haunting them um, throughout the entire season, throughout the entire season. So I just kind of take it with a grain of salt because I know they can bounce back. I know they can string together wins. I know they're a team that that finds ways to wins because, again, they were they even had the third best offensive rating in the league over a three week stretch where they were pretty much the hottest team in the NBA. And so that they're not far off from that. They can still maintain that level, mainly because they have Luka. But I just get afraid of him burning out. And then the fact that, like I said, Chris Stapps being a play finisher instead of a playmaker, sometimes that leaves him uh, room to have quiet games like he did last night when they really needed him. And so I'm not going to con- condemn him too much because everyone just has those games where you just don't know what happens. So I'm pretty sure he's very aware of the game he had and he'll be ready to bounce back because he's a very competitive guy. As you saw in the bubble, he was as fired up as anybody I've seen on the Mavs, t- ready to fight. <laughs> I mean, he's I-, I would never mistake him for a guy who just kind of folds and just kind of lets things go. So I expect a stronger bounce back performance from him. So we'll see what happens. Um, Portland tomorrow night, seven, seven o'clock Pacific time, 10 Eastern. I feel sorry for you Eastern, Eastern, uh, people out there because 10 o'clock is just, a that's such a late game to try to sit up for, but I know people that love the Mavericks, so they'll do it again. My name is Lawrence Brooks. Thank you guys for listening. Go stream, download on all platforms. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at LB said it. That's LB S A I D I T. And please follow us at Football Mass. That's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-M-A-V-S. Okay, you guys have a safe Saturday. Talk to you later. Go Mass. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.